Last week, we started on a series. I started to prepare, and I didn't realize how much material there was on this particular aspect of the subject, you know, in our relationship with God. You know that the Bible is full of descriptions and adjectives. For example, if we look at the person of God, there's no one word that could describe God. You need many, many, many adjectives and descriptions of God to describe who He is. And that's why people get messed up in their theology, teachers of the Bible do, because equally, I mean, how do you define a Christian by one word? You say Christian. So, but what, you know, um, a Christian, you know, there's so much that it defines us as believers. We're sons, we're conquerors, we're the bride of Christ, we're the city set on the hill. We're, and, you know, every single one of those adds an aspect to who we are. And by the same token, I walk with God. You can't describe it with a word or a particular picture or symbolism. And so the Bible has got a lot to say about our relationship with God, our journey with Him through life. And one of the ways it describes it is our walk with God. And um, Apostle Ken started on it, getting us to cross the faith line. And I just realized it's okay to do a prophetic step in the church, but it's something that we have to walk out for the rest of our lives. So yesterday, Mr. and Mrs. Ellis, before they were Mr. and Mrs., stood in front of a whole lot of people, made a commitment and a pledge, and I'm sure they know this, but their married life, that ceremony yesterday wasn't the end of the process. That was the start line. You know, now you've got to live married. Is that okay? And so the same with our relationship with the Lord. And so I just started to pull out all these scriptures, and I did not realize that there were literally dozens and dozens of scriptures that talk about our walk with God. So last week we looked at the fact that God has got a plan for us and a direction for every single one of our lives, individually and corporately. So God has got a plan. God has got something for us. Is that okay? And uh, he's got a destiny for you, whether it is in your job or in another job or whatever it is, that God has got a destiny, a plan, a purpose for you. Corporately as a church, we have a unique destiny. God has got a plan for us as ACF. That's why we planted here. And that's why you are here. And so we are going to be journeying together as individuals, but then corporately as the body of Christ. And that's why it talks about us as being the body. And one of the things that God has firmly spoken to us about is that we're to be a church in revival, reaching and resourcing the world. And all the material that we're preparing and doing is part of that. And the destination for us as individuals, we saw last week, is the full stature of Christ. But it's also prosperity and health and blessing. We saw that the path was already illumined. Because of that psalm that says, like seed is sown along the path of the righteous. But at the same time, it is still a walk of faith in obedience. Because Paul tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. Leonard Ravenhill says, smart men walked on the moon. Daring men walked on the ocean floor. But wise men and women walk with God. So the thing that I want to just continue with this morning is our walk with God. And that walk constitutes something called a walk in the Spirit. Is that okay? The Bible talks about us walking in the Spirit. So we got His Word. His Word can tell us a lot of things. We can discover a lot of things concerning our journey from the Word of God. And what we need to do is when we read the Word, apply what we read. 
It's really simple. Is that okay? Just tell the person next to you. Just say it's really simple. So the voice of the Spirit. God has given us His Spirit within, and He is a speaking Holy Spirit. Is that okay? I mean, He talks. He has a voice. And um, we've got a course on how to recognize or how to hear the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't only have a voice. He has feelings, and He can communicate feelings to us. I remember the first time that I ever literally felt the feeling of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I was on the stage of our home church in Bulawayo. And uh, this one brother came up, and he was really full of himself and, you know, fancied himself as a better preacher than any of us and all that kind of You know, you get those in some churches, not in ACF. And I remember we were standing on the stage, and he came and took over the microphone, and he started speaking. And it was so grievous to me that it literally felt like the Holy Spirit took one step and got out of me and took one step back and went like this. Now, I've got nothing to do with this. I mean, I literally felt that. I felt like my bones was replaced with solid lead. I just went, it just went all heavy. And I was like, and I'm going, oh, Jesus, you know. And I'm, I can see all the people's faces. They're looking at shock and horror. And this guy's got the microphone and he's strutting his stuff. And he's, you know, saying he's saying all this kind of thing. So I took one step back as well to find the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it was like, I'm not associated with this either. And I'm going like, Holy Spirit, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. It was the first time I experienced something like that. And often the Holy Spirit influences by just our sense of feelings. You know, I feel like, I feel like this. You know, I feel you know, whatever. Now, we don't live on feelings. We need to identify and know and be mature enough to know when it is the Spirit or when it's your own flesh. Is that okay? So when the Lord tells you to give a big amount of money and your feelings are going, oh, no, it's possibly you and not the Holy Spirit. Okay, you got it? You know that person that really hurt you and offended you when he goes up and says, go up to that person and say, sorry, please forgive me. And you go, I bind you, Satan. <laughs> You know, probably the Holy Spirit. So you've got to understand what I'm saying. But the Holy Spirit is the pilot of our lives, the captain of our lives. And we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Now, a lot of these verses that I'm giving you, you must go and look at them in their context. It's absolutely fantastic. I've been so enjoying preparing this. But Isaiah 30 verse 21 says this, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. In other words, whenever you get off the track, God was saying to the Israelites, and if you read that passage, it's a fantastic passage about restoration. And God was saying, you will hear a voice behind you. And he said, and I'm bringing back all your teachers and you won't go back to idols anymore. It's a brilliant passage of scripture. And so he's saying, you'll hear a voice behind you. In other words, someone who is standing beside you, walking with you, and who's guiding you and saying, no, 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 you know, <clears throat> don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, just keep on with this direction. Are you all with me? Yep. You see, the purpose is, God is not a killjoy. God wants to take you into joy. God wants to take you into peace. Is that okay? God wants to bless you. And so, you know, he speaks to us. The, the greatest aspect of the leading of the Holy Spirit is ignored by 99.9% Christians. The greatest aspect, I'm not saying the leading of the Holy Spirit, but the greatest aspect of the leading of the Holy Spirit is totally ignored by 99.9% .9 Christians. 
If we were to say this morning is a prophetic meeting, I'm going to put this down, and I'm going to step into the office of a prophet, and I'm going to start to prophesy, everybody would suddenly get excited. If we invited a prophet, the church would be full. Because maybe I'll get a prophecy. This is who I'm going to marry. This is the car I'm going to drive. This is how much money I'm going to get. You know, this is the new, you know, blessed job that I'll have, etc., etc., etc. I'm just saying. You're just listening. Okay. I'm not preaching now. Can you say amen? amen? Okay, fantastic. Right, let's go. And so 99.9%. So now I want to just read the context of what I'm going to say. Are you all listening? So I'm going to start at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start reading from verse 4 or 5. Let me just remind you, Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering, that he might condemn sin in the flesh. So when Jesus came, he came in the likeness of sinful people. And what he did was he condemned the principle, the power, the presence of sin in us. He broke it. And so he was then on the route to fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law. Are you all with me? Okay. And now he goes on in verse 4. He goes on to verse 4 saying, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Are you all listening, church? Who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the, to the Spirit. So now he's talking about the fact that the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us. Listen, church, listen carefully. If we live by the Spirit. Are you all listening? So we'll continue. Verse 5 says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature, the reason they're living that way is because they have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Are you starting to see the pattern? So we're starting to see in two verses something common. In fact, four verse, five verses. We're seeing flesh and spirit. Are you with me, church? Class, are you listening to teacher? Great. So let's go on to verse 6. And then he says this. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Or everybody say life and peace. Come on. Now, if I was to ask you, and you were not too tired to lift your hand, and if I said, who wants death or who wants life and peace? I think everybody would say life and peace. So what is the key? Get your mind on what the Spirit wants and start living according to the Spirit. Great. Verse 7. Because the sinful mind is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot, cannot, cannot please God. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Let's move on to verse 9. You, however, ACF, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, you've accepted Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in you. Amen? And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So I want you to understand that if we are born again, we have the Spirit of Christ 
Therefore, we belong to Christ. The issue is that we need to walk in the Spirit, not in the old pattern of living. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Woo! Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. I mean, whether you're awake or sleeping, worshiping or working, the spirit of God inside of you is giving life to your mortal body. I mean, is that awesome? I mean, I wish I could be preaching Romans 8 now. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not an obligation to the sinful nature to live according to it. No, rather, the next verse, verse 13, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will, second time, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will Come on. So how do we put to death the misdeeds of the body, the flesh? By how? By the? By the Spirit. So now here's the verse. Here's the verse. This is the verse I was getting to. But those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now we in Pentecostal circles, charismatic circles, yeah, we love to quote this, you know? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, and God led me to do this. And this morning, he led me to eat cornflakes instead of Rice Krispies. <laughs> Look, I'm making a point of it. Is that okay? I'm not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I'm mocking some Christians. And I got up and I went for the blue dress. And the Holy Spirit said to me, no, wear the red dress. <laughs> and he told me, I must put gray carpets in the house and not blue carpets. I mean, I hear them. They come to me and tell me this stuff. So what do you think? You know what I think? If you feel like cornflakes, eat cornflakes. If you want to wear the red dress, wear the red dress. But don't say the Holy Spirit told you to. Because, you know, we over-romanticize that thing, but we undervalue the whole point of that passage. The whole point of that passage, church, is if you are saying, I'm a son or a daughter of God, it's because the Spirit of God is leading you out of sin and into righteousness. Can I have a loud amen? A much louder amen than that. Okay, because what he's saying is those who are led by the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God will lead you out of your flesh life, your old life. I mean, when last did we hear a testimony in church that went something like this? You know, I was given to depression and when I was reading the Bible, I started to see the joy of the Lord gives me strength. And he's given me a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And I was praying and the Holy Spirit said to me, this is the reason why. And I started doing this and he's completely transformed my life. And now I'm filled with joy and I don't experience depression anymore. Amen. That's 99.9% the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm sure he's talking to you. I'm, I'm convinced because <laughs> he's not talking to me. All right. <laughs> it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Come on. When last did we hear testimonies like that? We hear, God led me to go and speak to this person. God led me to go and pray for that person. And I'm not demeaning that stuff. That stuff is important. Yeah. 
Amen. But what about the Holy Spirit leading you out of your stinking thinking or your stinking attitude that makes you a really bad co-worker and a bad employee that gives Christianity a bad name? How about the leading of the Holy Spirit on that? You know, we need to hear more testimony. I didn't realize how much my attitude sucked. And, you know, and I called myself a Christian and tell her, you know. And the Holy Spirit said to me, because when your fellow workers try and tell you or your pastor preaches it in church, it's everybody else but me. I'm so glad Pastor John's here today to hear the message, you know. <laughs> are you with me? Come on. How is it that we are immune to sermons? We sit there and profound truths are preached week after week and we're sitting thinking, I'm so glad my wife's sitting here because she really needs to hear this. <laughs> come on, you, you, come on. Or your husband or whoever. I really wish my boss was in church today. He needed to hear this. What about you? What about, what about you? How is it that we don't own it when it comes to us? We don't. We've got an Adam and Eve syndrome still that goes all the way back to the garden where it's like, I'm not the one. He's the one. She is the one. I mean, you hear it in our government. You know, when they get busted for something. You know, there's always a thousand reasons why it's not them. And then they start blaming people who are not even around anymore. It's just never me. It's never us. Come on. That thing is in us as well. You know, when someone points out something to us, you know what you do. This is what you do. I look, I understand it. I hate it when people tell me terrible things about me, you know, which are true. You know, it's like, Pastor John, you know, this is not, you know, it hurts. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But how are we ever going to change? How are we ever going to grow? Are you listening to me, church? Yeah. We have become anesthetized. Yes. Our conscience is seared right. to a major part of the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We want the glamorous stuff. We can't own up. We can't acknowledge. We're always denying or always justifying. And I'm not being hard on you. I'm speaking because, you know, these are some things that I've had to deal with myself while preparing the message and in the course of my life. One day, long time ago, many years ago, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was trying to prepare for Sunday. And um, I just noticed I started to feel more and more fluish, more and more feverish. And I thought, you know, I always push myself too hard. And um, whether I'm sick or not, I'm in church. So I thought, this time I'm going to be kind to myself. So I phoned one of the elders and I said, please, will you preach the message tomorrow? I said, I really feel fluish. I still woke up my normal time between 4 and 5 on a Sunday morning. Bev got dressed, came to church. I wrapped a blanket around myself uh, because it was winter, and I went and sat in the lounge. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to waste this time. I'm going to sit with you. And I said, and I'm going to fellowship with you today. And instantly, this verse comes into my heart and mind from Jeremiah. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I'm sitting there. I'm saying, Lord, what? What are you, what are you implying? <laughs> He's got my attention now. The heart is desperately wicked. You can know it. I'm going like, oh, Jesus. I should have gone to church and preached. I could have smashed the people rather, you know. 
And I'm sitting there, I said, Lord, what is it? And I said, okay. I said, Lord, I understand this verse, and I understand that our hearts are wicked, and we can't know it because we're often blind. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're blind to ourselves. And I said, okay, Lord, show me. And he started to show me. Oh, my word. You know, oh, my goodness. Those are the kind of prayers you try and avoid praying. Okay? I sat there, and the Lord just began to show me things, little things. And I just, and I mean, right back to my childhood. And I was going like, God, I'm really sure I apologize for all of these things on the day I accepted Jesus when I said, forgive me for all, all my sins. You know, I'm sure I did it. But God just began to point out things to me. I'm sitting there in my lounge. And uh, when Bev came home, my eyes were standing out like this. I dried up all the snot and I'd wiped away the tears. But I just sat there sobbing for two hours, just over two hours, as the Lord took me back and he began to show me things. Simple things like just little unkindnesses, little incidences where I was not compassionate. Um, a pastor who criticized other pastors around me, and I basically stood up and said, you ever criticize these pastors, I'm going to punch your lights out. Yeah. And I said, and if you think I don't mean it, try it again. Yeah. You didn't think I could be like that. Yeah. I know it's a shock to you. <laughs> but um, God, you know, just the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you haven't forgiven that man. You need to forgive that man and love him. So the Lord said this to me, he said, you love me as much as you love him. You know, by the time I was finished there with the Lord, it felt like someone had got on a tractor with all those plowshares behind it and had driven right through the center of my heart and plowed everything up inside of me. I felt absolutely raw inside for days before God. My heart had been cleaved open before the Lord, but I felt something, such a release and something so tremendous. Now, I'm not all for, you know, constant sin searching on the inside of us, but there are times, because we are the righteousness of God in Christ, but there are times where we need to get before God and get honest with Him, because David said in Psalm 51, when he realized his sin after Nathan the prophet had pointed it out to him, he said, I realize I need truth in the inward parts. And that's what I felt. It felt literally like the belt of truth was around my waist because I had been truthful with God about myself. A few weeks later, I'm in England, a church that God had used me to break through into revival that is now one of the revival churches in England. They had this revival conference and all the top revivalists from around the world are preaching in that church. There's well, Wesley Campbell and Stacy Campbell, there's Ken Gotts and his wife. There's John Arnott, John and Carol Arnott. And all those who were central in the revival around the world that time, they're all preachers at this church. And the first time I went there, the church was so dead. I think it was so dead, they weren't even aware the Holy Spirit had left years before. And now the church is in revival. Now they're hosting all these revival meetings. And um, so I attended that meeting before I went on with my itinerary. And when I was sitting there at the end of the service, Pastor Dave Campbell and his wife said, we want you to pray for our good friend from South Africa, John. And um, so came up, and it was Sharon Stone, but the prophetess Sharon Stone, not the actress Sharon Stone. So they said, sit down. And I sat down on the chair, 
and it was just like machine gun fire. They started to prophesy, but Sharon Stone opened, and her opening sentence was, God says, because you sat down with me, because you opened your heart, because you bared your heart and your soul before me, this is what I'm going to do, says the Lord. I tell you, I didn't hear the rest of the prophecy. I've got it recorded, but I fell off the chair onto my face because I realized that what I'd experienced was a divine encounter with God. I know I'm laboring this point, but I'm stressing this point for a reason because the Holy Spirit is inside of us to lead us out of flesh, out of the sinful nature, and into the full nature of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so we need to walk with God. We need to be honest with Him about ourselves. Amen? All right, so if we just proceed a little bit further... So maybe while we're sitting here and we're on the subject, maybe the Holy Spirit will be talking to us. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Can you say it after me? Walk by the Spirit. He says in Galatians 5.25, he says, since we live by the Spirit... Let us, this is the NIV translation, Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Is that okay? Let's keep in step with Him. Didn't Jesus say, I'm going to send you another counselor, the comforter? He will be with you. He will be in you. He's another one just like me. And, um, and so we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to walk at his pace. You know, it tells me that the Holy Spirit has got an absolute purpose for each one of us in our walk with us. And he will walk at the pace that you can walk at. Is that okay? And if you're struggling with someone, with something, he will keep pace with you and he will help you to walk right through it. Is that okay? I've seen and experienced many people, and I'm going to just use this as an example. I'm not picking it on it as the biggest sin. I've seen many, many people just instantly set free from smoking because they've just figured it's unhealthy. I just don't want to do it anymore. Listen, it's not a sin that will keep you out of heaven, okay? And so normally when they come and they say, the Lord is speaking to me about this, normally what I say to them is, you know what, if God is speaking to you about that, then what he's actually saying is, and I'm here to help you. Because he's not a condemning God. He doesn't point something out to you and go like, hey, you need to deal with this, and I'm going to stand here and just watch you. You know, he's not like the Grinch, you know. He didn't steal Christmas. And stand there and go like, you need to sort this out because this displeases me. That's not God. God is, draws alongside. He's with you. And he's going, okay, so this is next on the agenda. This is what we're going to deal with. Amen. And normally, when I explain it to people, they go like, oh, my word. And I say, right, it's just really simple. Say this. It is for freedom. Christ set me free. They say it. I just lay hands on them. And that's it. They're free. Because they suddenly realize, well, he's not condemning me. The voice of the Holy Spirit is gracious, it's gentle, it's kind. If you're getting a voice that's pushy and judgmental, I want to tell you, A, it's either your flesh, or B, it's the devil. Because God is not pushy. He's not unkind. I mean, He's really nice. 
Amen. And I mean, he can say truthful things in such a nice way. You might be crying, it might be sore, but you just love him for it when he says it. And so we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. But then there's also the leading that we do love to talk about. There is a leading that we, we really, really enjoy. And of course, he does that too. I'm not a person who dreams, and um, I'm normally not a warrior and an anxious person and things like that. I'm, I'm normally not. Even that time when God spoke to me, I don't know if you remember when I was standing on the stage, and the Lord said to me, you need to get the whole church to pray protection for you. Remember that story? And um, I introduced it in a way that wouldn't you know, make that particular point obvious, and it was in the week when that guy stuck the gun through the wind and tr- onto my chest and was trying to shoot me. But I, it, it didn't traumatize me. It didn't, I didn't get into fear about it. You know, at the moment when it was happening, um, I did um, panic because um, the mirror fell off. The mirror fell off the windowsill and it hit the floor, and I thought that he had pulled the trigger, you know? So it went crash onto the floor. And uh, so I, d- I dived down next to the bath, you know, because first it was on my heart, and I got the gun away from there. Then he was trying to get it onto my leg. And, um, you know, but, you know, the Lord had already warned me before time. Yeah. That evening, of the evening that it happened, I was in the pool with Amy, and God said, get out of the pool now. And I went immediately to the side. I said, Amy, let's go inside. She said, why, Dad? We just got in the pool. I said, come get inside. And uh, she went inside. And then I was sitting in the house. I locked the door. I did look around when I locked the security gate. But the windows behind me were open, and the other windows in the house. And I'm sitting all on my own. Bev's in the room. Amy's in her room. When suddenly... The Holy Spirit says to me, duck, they want to shoot you in the head. And I dive off the couch, all on my own, some lonesome, nobody watching. I was sitting watching TV. I dive off the couch on the floor. Now I feel really stupid. Because what if Bev and Amy walks in, like, what are you doing on the floor, darling? You know? And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, no, this is daft. This is really nuts. But New Year's Eve that year, I sat and I saw the New Year in on my own. And I said to the Lord, what do you want me for this year? And he said, instant, unquestioning obedience. So I instantly dived off the chair. I'm laying on the floor thinking, this looks really ridiculous. So I crawl around the couch, look through the window. There's no one there. Go, close the windows, look out the yard. Can't see anything. Walk through to Amy's room. Blinds are closed. Walk through into our room. Blinds are closed. Walk through. The bathroom window's open, and there's someone, and that's how the incident happened. But honestly, no fear, because God had prepared me. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, because He wants to. But that's a, an aspect of the leading of the Holy Spirit that is less than the leading of the Spirit that I spoke to you first about. But we love these stories. So it wasn't around that time, it was another time when there was a particular gang that was hitting Banera Park very badly, a lot of murders, a lot of crime. And I don't know why, but I started to have nightmares. And I would just wake up sweating uh, because of the, the nightmares, because I knew a lot of the incidences that were happening in Banera Park. And the one night I dreamt that someone had got into the house and was attacking Amy in her room. And when I found myself... I had shouted out loud, and I was standing next to the bed. And Bib's going like, what's going on? I'm just going like, I don't know. I uh, came to the bathroom. 
<laughs> you know, because I didn't want to tell Bev. But I, I'd had this nightmare, and the, the next day I started to think, why, why am I having these nightmares? Why? I, I don't have nightmares. You know, I hardly even dream. Why am I having nightmares? And suddenly the Holy Spirit says to me, it's what you are thinking about before you fall asleep. Subsequently, I read a book by Dr. We listened to CDs, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he talks about the principle of the last five minutes. And he talks about the fact that what you fall asleep thinking about in the last five minutes before you sleep, your subconscious is working on the whole night. It will determine your mood. It will determine your actions the next day. And I was like, yeah, but Lord, you told me this. The Holy Spirit told me. And he said to me, it's what you fall asleep thinking. And he said, if you fall asleep thinking revival, anointing, miracles, you'll wake up differently. And so even before I heard Dr. Wayne Dyer, I was doing that. So I'd get into bed and go like, I'm kept, I'm surrounded by angels. He's given angels charge over me. Whoa, tomorrow's going to be an awesome day. I'm going to walk past somebody and I'm going to have words of knowledge and prophecy. And I'm going to walk past somebody else and they go, oh, I'm healed. I'm, sickness is gone. I started to wake up in the morning with gooseys, with God's presence. That's how I started to wake up after just a few days of doing that. I woke up in a better mood. I woke up with more energy. But I want to tell you, that was the Holy Spirit that taught me that. Dr. Wayne Dyer confirmed it. Everybody say amen. amen. And so the Holy Spirit will help you. He will lead you. He will guide you. We need, we need the Holy Spirit. So in my pastoring days, in earlier days, something that I really did not like having to do is having to, to speak to people and bring correction. And I would get so uptight about doing it that when I did bring correction, it would come across so harshly and like really hard. And um, then afterwards, I would feel so bad because I've hurt people. And then I would have to go back and say things like, I'm really sorry for the way I said it, but I don't apologize for what I said. But how many of you know the moment you say, I'm sorry for the way I've said it, you've just canceled everything? Yeah, and you know, and if it was an issue where people needed to change and do something different, it was like, well, the pastor apologized means uh, we got permission just to keep doing what we're doing, you know? And so I got really tired of doing that. I just thought to myself, I'm really tired of apologizing, kind of, I mean, they're doing the stuff wrong. I know I'm coming over not so nicely. So I started saying to the Lord, why am I doing this? How do I change this? And it was so simple. The Holy Spirit said to me, you've got two fountains inside of you. You are drawing from the wrong fountain. You need to draw from the other one. In other words, you're drawing from your flesh and not from my spirit. So I said to the Lord, okay, and that I know. So I said, how do I draw from this fountain of your spirit? And he taught me. Basically, it was, God said to me, meditate on how you're going to speak. Meditate your words Meditate your attitude, meditate everything, and start by acknowledging them and um, where you can, um, encouraging them where you can. And I started doing that, and I found I'm not blowing it. I'm not losing it. I'm not getting in the emotional flesh. I'm calm because I meditated on it. That's the Holy Spirit taught me. And I think I'm improved. I'm getting better now. Thank you, Andre. Andre says, I'm lovely. Thank you, Andre. Can you just give that vocabulary to Bev? Thank you. 
You do. She does. She does think I'm lovely. Amen. Are you all with me, church? So we need to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to just deal with this in a couple of minutes. So here goes. Point number two. We need to walk this route purposefully and with vision. Pastor John, but I've got a job. How can I have a vision? Get a vision for your job. Own it. Own your job. Own your job. Own it. Okay? It's your job. Own it. Have a vision for your job. You know, there's different degrees of faithfulness, church. You know, you can have a job at work and you can do what is required. That's one level of faithfulness. But when you own that and you make it your own and you take that job to another level, that's a different degree of faithfulness. In the church, you can sign up for a ministry and you can say, Pastor John, I want to get in, I want to do it. And say, okay, this is it. Yeah, this is the requirement. You're faithful. You're coming to church. You're tithing all this. Please, will you do this? And you can just do what's necessary. Well, that's a level of faithfulness. But when you own it and you breathe life into it and you take it to another level and, I, and I'm going like, oh my goodness, check what they're doing. This is, this is even, this exceeds, you know, my expectations. It exceeds what I want. That's another level of faithfulness. Come on, church. Own your walk with God. Take it to another level. Walk with God. Be deliberate. Be purposeful. Be intentional with your walk with God. Don't wake up in the morning and go, Okay, Pastor John preached this message on Sunday. I guess I better read my Bible. Or rather just close it. Go and have post toasties. Go and have something. You know. Why don't you pick it up and read it intentionally? Purposefully like God is going to speak to me, and I'm going to get something from this. You know, this is part of building the big picture. Amen, church? I don't normally preach like this, but I am today. Is that okay? I don't have another sermon, so if you, you're going to have to just enjoy this one, all right? And so, you know, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians. They're not purposeful. They're not intentional. They get born again, and then they're just meandering through life with the Christian tag tagged on them. Are you born again? Yes. And that's about it. But they're not living intentionally. Years ago, um, Lee Marvin wrote a song. And I really enjoyed the fact that Lee Marvin wrote it and sang it because it just made me feel a whole lot better about my voice. And, you know, because Lee Marvin couldn't sing in key and in tune. So he blessed me immensely. But Lee Marvin, he sang the song. I was born under a wandering star. You remember that one? That describes a lot of Christians. I was born. Any doctrine that comes, they've got it. If there's a prophet preaching there, go and tag up another prophecy. Yippee-doo, yippee-doo. What are they doing with it? I have nothing. They've got it all written down in their journals. Reams and reams and reams of prophecies. I've got another prophecy. Yep. And? Come on, you can laugh. It is funny. It is, it is. You know? And they unravel these prophecies. And this is what God said. And this is what God said. And this is what God said. My question is, it's profound. What are you doing with even the first one? They wander from doctrine to doctrine, church to church. You know, and they wonder why they're spiritual bonsais. 
Because just when they've put roots down, they uproot themselves and go and plant themselves somewhere else. And then they wonder why they're stunted, you know. I've been serving the Lord for 46 years. Oh, I thought you just got born again the way you talk and act. They know nothing of God, nothing of the Word. They do nothing. They just got the tag Christian. I'm so glad ACF hasn't got people like that. Woo! Hallelujah. So I was watching Kevin and Amy took video clips the other day of Noah. Now, Noah's uh, Kevin and Amy's second son. And he's just this delightful child. He's just an individual, you know. And uh, it's sports day. And um, so they're videoing it. And you hear Kevin and Amy, go, Noah, go, Noah. And they're chuckling and laughing. Go, Noah. And I'm watching on it. He's stone cold lost. Uh, He's right at the back. He's running, and eventually the teacher comes and puts him in his correct lane. He's even running in the wrong lane. But he's running. He's checking everybody. <laughs> he didn't get the whole purpose of the race. You know, you run to win, cross the line first, and all that kind of thing. I mean, he's just enjoying the journey. It's like, da 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 you know. And, you know, there's so many Christians like that. And, yes, God wants us to enjoy the journey, but the immaturity is there's no purpose, there's no direction, you know? Yeah. Read the Bible sometimes, pray sometimes, come to church sometimes, do something sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yes. Born under a wandering star. We need to live for God intentionally. Intentionally. When you wake up in the morning, does God even feature? It's like one person said, you know, most Christians wake up and they go, Oh, good Lord, it's morning. Instead of waking up saying, Oh, Good morning, Lord. The last is an afterthought. So we need to live intentionally. So we need to do all that we need to. Read the word intentionally. Get a Bible reading plan. Pray regularly. It's part of the things that God uses to build your destiny. Be a witness. Talk to somebody about Jesus. Amen? I remember when we really began to realize that God had called us Bev and I were excited, and we wanted to live for God. We wanted to do things for God, and Bev worked for the receiver of revenue. Uh, She was a tax collector before she got saved. (laughs) And uh, I worked for the Rhodesia Railways. I don't know what I was, you know, but anyway. And uh, so at lunchtime, I would, because our offices weren't far, so I would race around and, you know, outside the receiver of revenue, Bev would come out of the sandwiches, we'd get in the car and put the old tape decks in, you know, the little cassette tapes, we'd put it in and listen to some praise and worship, we'd eat lunch, and then we would pray and we would talk about the Lord. And then Bev kept saying to me, you know, there's this lady that I want to talk to about the Lord because there's all kinds of stuff going down in her life. She said, but I don't want to just walk up to her and Bible punch her. So she said, I'm praying that God will cause her to come and ask me. And a couple of days later, we were sitting listening, Jimmy Swaggart, when he was, you know, praise and worship. Jimmy Swaggart, he used to make me cry. I loved his singing. And um, we were sitting in the car and Beth said, you'll never guess what. I went to the photostat room, and I went to go and photostat a document, and in walked this lady, and she came up and she said, my life is a mess, and I just don't know what to do. And it was the perfect opportunity, just the two of them, for Bev to share the gospel with her. But that's living intentionally. Come on, tell somebody next to you, live intentionally. Live purposely. Walk with God with a purpose. Amen? And it's all part of the purpose that God has for us. 
I want you to listen to this. I want you to really listen to this. I have watched over nearly 40 years of ministry. People struggle in their Christian walk because they think they can bypass a principle of God. And you cannot. I've watched them struggle. And if I retrace their spiritual steps with them, invariably we find there's either a neglect or a compromise of a principle. That's part of the reason why I'm emphasizing this morning the word, prayer, and your church attendance. Those are important building blocks to establishing your purpose and destiny. You can't, you can't date God and expect Him to be in a marriage commitment to you. I want to say that again. There are a lot of Christians that date God occasionally. They give Him a little bit of time every now and then. They tip Him every now and then. They don't tire. They tip every now and then. But when something goes wrong, God must be absolutely dedicated and devoted to them Otherwise, they get A, offended, and then B, they normally use this kind of sentence. Now, why did God let me down? Why didn't God? So a lot of Christians will come and say to me, where was God when this happened? My response has more and more increasingly become, where are you with God? Before we talk about where is God in this situation, let me find out where are you with God? So where are you with God determines where God is with you. He says, draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. Come on, church. This is good stuff, hey? But listen to this. Listen to this. There are people that struggle later in their Christian walk with principles because they ignore some of the fundamentals, the ABCs. You know, they say that if a child doesn't learn to crawl before it walks, later in life, you know, the child struggles with maths and things like that. I'm just saying, for example, I don't know if I'm exactly right. Because every process is a necessary process. Is that okay? And so everything is really, really necessary. So listen to what it says in Luke chapter 7, verse 30. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. I'm going to read that again. I want you to hear that. The Pharisees rejected God's purpose for themselves because God had a purpose for them. Jesus didn't come and say, right, my purpose in life is to bash up the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, that was not his purpose. His purpose was to save them. So if you go and look at um, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. But the verse before that, so we think, oh, he's going to heal the blind eyes, the deaf ears, the lame. No, no, the verse before it says that scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law had gathered from all over Judea and come to listen. Okay, there, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem was sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Now, that's the NIV. If you put it in the King James Version, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them of their Pharisaism, their religiosity, their blindness. You know, the power of God was present for them to get saved, but they couldn't because they did their typical stuff. But the reason why is because they had rejected the baptism of John, and so they couldn't hear. 
They couldn't see. They couldn't know. They couldn't understand. Church, are, are you all following me? That's why it's important after you're born again to get baptized in water. That's why it's absolutely vital for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why it's incredibly vital that we study the Word. That's why it's absolutely necessary that we pray. That is why it's critical that we be in church and become part of church life. Because we can sink, we can subvert our own purpose with God if we don't walk in His ways. You can't serve God in your way. You have to serve God His way. Everybody saying amen. amen. So don't miss a step. Don't rebel. We have a purpose in our generation. Acts 13, 16 says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors. In his generation, he served God and fulfilled his purpose. So what purpose has God got for you in your generation? So all the things that I'm talking about are absolutely, absolutely vital. Keep our focus. Psalm 16, verse 8. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate. This is deliberate. This is purposeful. This is living intentionally. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 2.10, last verse. For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Come on, church. God created you in Christ Jesus, uniquely made, put together, uniquely gifted with aspects of the character and the nature of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Combined it with your personality that makes you distinctive, that makes you unique, that makes you absolutely essential within the body of Christ. To do things that no one can else can do, to reach people no one else can reach, God has got a purpose for you in your generation. And we need to be rooted. We need to be connected. We need to be involved. We need to be following the steps. We need to be living intentionally, walking purposely, doing things deliberately with intent because we are the most powerful group of people on the face of the planet. We are indwelt by God himself, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have the power to do whatever Jesus did and greater things than that. The solution, the answer to this world is sitting in buildings like this spread all throughout South Africa and around the world. People who have got the Spirit of God inside of them with creative, ingenious, entrepreneurial inventions and ideas waiting to burst out if we would just only walk by the Spirit. If only we would live intentionally and do what God has called us to do. I believe that future billionaires are sitting in buildings like this. And at the moment, they broke. But God will break them through if they will walk with God. Amen. You look at the majority of inventions was Christians. Majority of things that are put into place that the world is enjoying today, Christians. 
And they were Christians just like you and I until they started to walk with God and started to hear from God and started to take steps in faith, started listening to the Holy Spirit. And then things started to happen that's blessed this entire globe. Come on, church. We do not know and we have not yet fully realized the full potential of what we can be as Christians because we've ignored some of the things that God has told us to do. Let's just stand together, just lift our hands up to the Lord. Maybe there was some area, there was somewhere where maybe God spoke to you. But maybe also it's just a morning now of just fresh surrender and just saying, okay, Lord, I haven't begun to fully understand the potential of this Christian walk, this Christian life with God. You know, sometimes we undervalue our own sense of worth and our own sense of significance in the kingdom. What is it that God has called you to do? And uh, is there something maybe that I touched on this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit made you aware of? Is there something, some principle, somewhere that I need to go back and revisit? Is there something that I need to be doing that I'm not doing? Something? I just know with an absolute certainty God wants to unlock the potential of Christ in you and for you to step into something that's far greater far more glorious than what you're experiencing right now or what I'm experiencing that's part of revival just lift our hands Lord we just want to come to you this morning Lord if there's any area Lord we don't want to say that we're sons of God and led by the Spirit when most of the time we're ignoring you so Lord if there's an area where where we just felt the touch of your finger on our conscience, the touch of your finger on our hearts, the prod of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that we would respond this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. Father, if it's a character thing, if it's a behavior thing, if it's an attitudinal thing, Lord, if it's a a thought thing, if it's an anxiety, whatever it was, Lord, that you would just, just help us as we respond to you right now. Because like I said, Lord, you are standing there with us to say, and here I am to do something about it with you. Father, you will transform us. You will change us. And we will be able to say that we are truly changed in that area in our lives. Father, I thank you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a couple of people here and you've got deeply deeply anxious thoughts, almost disturbing thoughts where things have been difficult and there's a lot of anxiety and your mind your mind is on a merry-go-round and you can't stop the merry-go-round because of the anxiety the anxious thoughts that you're feeling and um, even thinking kind of like what is the purpose of going on. Some of you can identify with what I said at that time when I was having nightmares. Maybe it's not as bad as nightmares. Maybe it's as bad as, as maybe it is bad dreams with a negative ending for you. I just want to pray for you. So every hand down, every hand down, if there's anybody that can identify with what I've just said, then I just want you to raise your hands. Just raise your hands. There's quite a few hands going up. Father, I want to pray for these saints of God, these beloved children of yours. This morning, Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just 
enable them to get those thoughts under control, to renew their thinking, to renew their minds. Jesus, would you, by your Spirit, like you taught me, like you did it with me, enable them to arrest those thoughts and bring it and take it in subjection to Jesus Christ in the sense that they will begin to think things that Christ has said in His Word. They'll begin to think things that Christ has said to them by the Spirit. They'll begin to think the things that God has spoken through the prophetic Word. Father, they will arrest those thoughts, derail those thoughts, and begin to, Lord, have wholesome thinking, wholesome minds. Father, I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke the anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you just touch them, release them, free them today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would give them a biblical optimism, a hope in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, those watching live stream as well, Lord, there's many that are facing dire situations because of COVID and other issues. And God, I want to thank you that if we walk with you intentionally, we walk with you deliberately, Lord, we know that you will lead us by your Spirit and you will always lead us into right paths, right ways, right places, into wide open, spacious, large places in Christ. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for coming. Love you all.